I, I I love this movie. I, I like I said, I had a little problem with James Conn at the beginning because I wanted Sonny Corleone knocking her head with a trash can lid like in fucking The Godfather. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> ridiculous who am i to make a criticism to someone like you it's all right i can take it well it's brilliantly written but then everything you write is brilliant pretty rough stuff the swearing paul there i said it there i said it there i said it there i said it hi i'm candy the final girl Ooh, I'm going to go put on my Liberace records. <laughs> and I'm Sean of the Dead. <laughs> uh, tonight we are talking about the 1990 film Misery, based off the novel. We have Nico Nice. He didn't get out of the cock a car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, German. And at the bank, do I tell Mrs. Bollinger, oh, here's one big bastard of a check. Give me some of your Christing money. I'm your number one fan. And also returning guest from the show, Ian. You lying cocksucker. I'm just going to fire in straight off the bat here and just say I, Misery is my favourite Stephen King adaptation movie. It's my favourite Stephen King novel. I t- I'm not, I've said on this show before um, that, you know, Misery, uh, Misery, Stephen King and novels in general is just something that I, I don't keep massively up to date on. I've read four or five Stephen King books. i I, I tend to just lose engagement, but Misery is one, and I absolutely love this no, uh, novel. I love this movie, just everything about it. And I just don't think there. I think uh, the casting of Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes is possibly one of the greatest pieces of casting in Agreed. not just in horror, in movies in general. I don't think there's anyone that could have done it better than Kathy Bates. Agreed. Um, I'm going to jump in and do something a little shocking. Um, now, here's the thing. Um, we all know uh, through some previous conversations, we actually did a Stephen King book episode. I started reading Stephen King at age nine. My first one was Pet Cemetery, but my second one was Misery. And I never saw the film until three years ago. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. And when I did see it, because I bought it, like, with, around my birthday, like, they had, you know, because all the Halloween shit starts coming out late September, and um, 
And I bought it because they had a really good deal on it. And I, and I admitted to even Sean, I was like, I've never seen this. And then I watched it. And I was like, this is how I'd always pictured Annie Wilkes. So I'm, you know, definitely going to echo Ian on this. Like, could you cast this better with Annie? No. Like, Kathy Bates fucking killed it. And well deserved the Oscar she got. Um, it's just like, I, I, I guess I was so afraid because most Stephen King adaptations are disappointing to me. And we know that from The Shining episode that I didn't, I wasn't on, but I still came in and ran my mouth on. Um, that I'm usually disappointed, so I avoided watching it. And um, when I did watch it, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. And I do have more to add to that, but I will do that later. Um, um, yeah, so I'll just throw in real quick. Um Everybody should be familiar by now with what my favorite Stephen King adaptation is. We're going to be covering it uh, in a few weeks, uh, and that'd be Salem's Lot. But that doesn't detract from my feelings for this film, because this film to me is amazing on all levels. The acting choice, or the actors that they chose for this uh, are phenomenal. Uh, Kathy Bates is amazing. Um, I've read the book. Um, I've seen the film a dozen times. And and there are some things that I wish that they would have brought from the book into the movie. But, you know, still, I mean, the movie in itself is just it's it's thrilling, uh, suspenseful. Um, you know, the, the scenes where where she leaves and he's like going through the house and it's just there's a lot of like it's just very tense, uh, a lot of tense moments. And, and I try to put myself in his position you know, and I and I told Candy at one point, I said, you know, he's doing this all wrong. Like, like he should have just gave her the D and like <laughs> just just gave her the D and, and just strangled her out right there. Blame it on rough sex. Yeah, uh, he did give her the D and she cut him up in the bathtub. Yeah. So I was like, I don't think that would have served. Yeah, yeah. Again, just blame it on rough sex. Nico. All right, so to kind of echo sentiments, um, this is uh, probably and arguably one of the one of the better Stephen King adaptations from a novel that is also one of his crowning jewels in his bibliography. I mean, yes, Annie's a lot more batshit crazy in the book, a lot. Yeah. But I mean, you got to give the devil the devil her due. Kathy Bates brought that character to such glorious life, like she just kind of relished in that role. And and to you know echo your sentiment as well, a very very well deserved Oscar. And James Conch to get some credit as well, because you know we knew him for these tough guy roles, and now he's the helpless victim in in the film. And one thing I also want to touch on. Um, not including Mike Flanagan because he is a fantastic director that that you know did what Rob Reiner was batting a thousand with Stephen King adaptations. He hit it out of the park with not one but two, with Stand by Me and this one. So it was like a good one-two punch. Again, I think only Mike Flanagan is probably right up there. Bless you, right, right up there with him, with Doctor Sleep and with Gerald's Game. You know the unfilmable book that he managed to film and actually make into a tense thriller. But Rob Reiner hit Pater with adapting Stephen King and you know I know a lot of people like oh but what about you know Andy Machete's with it it was fantastic chapter one chapter two was kind of eh, you know <laughs> yeah. whatever you know 
but but being said, together they're they're if you look at them as one cohesive movie, they're it's a great movie. But separately, you definitely see the flaws in the second one versus the first one. Um, and honestly, up until cha- chapter one, I, I've always maintained that misery. And I think even after the fact, I think Misery is probably the greatest horror adaptation of one of Stephen King's work. Because my, my opinion, I know my, this, is, this is always such a hot topic with people when I when I say this. I think the, the top three Stephen King adaptations are The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, and Stand By Me, which ironically Rob Reiner did. And then if you're going to go horror, the next one would have been Misery, which again was Rob Reiner. Who would have thought Meathead? From all in the family, yeah. <laughs> would have went on to direct not 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 just those two. By the way, let's also talk about the fact that he did the Princess Bride, which mm. is a fucking classic in every sense of the word. And also, William Goldman was involved in that one too. Well, right, but I mean, Rob Reiner directed the film, but I mean, the, the fact that Meathead from All in the Family went on to become a very successful director and directed the two, arguably two of the greatest Stephen King adaptations, says a lot. Yeah. Just one second to We're having such a keen eye. Get my thought. Um, he names his production company Castle Rock because of the success of that. Right. Which Castle Rock is an invention of a town invented Stephen in King. Which that's another reason why I wore this because on the shirt it actually has the sign from Creepshow where it says Castle Rock. You know, however many miles away, so it actually has it on there. So it all kind of ties in. Yeah. You know, but but I mean. You know, I I can't say enough great things about this film. This is such a fantastic film, and I and I think I'll, we'll we'll delve a little deeper. I think a little later into the um the overall like tone and themes of the film. Definitely. Um, so I'll I'll shut up for now. Okay, so I have like several points. <laughs> um, but number one is like, um, you guys realize like this is a this is like a really um it's a movie made under a lot of duress because he was really upset at how his fans responded to his book, the eyes of the dragon, which is actually my favorite Stephen King book. That's a great book. It is a really great book. book And if I can interrupt for one second, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for you, I never would have read that book either. It's because of you. I got that book. My absolute favorite book. And, 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 and enjoyed it because of you. So, so thank you for that. I'm glad. (laughs) But, uh, so, like, it's, it's like, his fans were, like, pissed because he wrote a book that wasn't horror. So, this was his response to that because uh, he, f- he felt like he was, like, literally chained to the horror genre for a long time because of that. And it, like, brought him down a little bit into his depression more. Um, but it was, it was definitely a very big metaphor for how he felt about his fans at that time. And, yeah. Oh, I was just saying number oh. one. Oh, yeah. No yeah. Number one fan. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, it was telling like how he really felt. And that was like my number one thing. Second of all, second of all, okay, I was four years old when the movie came out, so I didn't see it till I was 12. <laughs> I'm this 12-year-old kid obsessed with Stephen King, and I watched this movie, and I'm like, traumatized by <laughs> Kathy Bates because she is horrific and believable and I can't watch it now without getting goosebumps when she knocks his knees. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> every time, every time, the look on her face is just pure evil. And then you'll see her in a photo shoot and she looks like she could be my mom. 
Yeah. Such a sweetheart. Yeah, that, that look on her face when she lifts that sledgehammer up and, and holds it next to her face, like, oh, yeah. has like a whole like the book the movie it has like a whole lot of like very aggressive undertones and i love that <laughs> yeah i mean we're more fans that's what we do so that's good um dave well i didn't realize about this book um is that when he wrote it he intended for it to be released under the richard bachman pseudonym mm-hmm. and um and it and it, now that i know that it does feel like a richard bachman book it's more intimate it's nastier like ivy said it's 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 uh it's it's more brutal it's more intimate you know very uh very claustrophobic but he um in between the time i guess that he wrote it and it got published is when he was outed as richard bachman so he had to come clean on that um and the thing about, uh, I guess we'll cover the um, the hobbling scene in more detail a little bit going on, but just when after she whacks that second ankle and she's like, God, I love you. It's like a sexual release for her. She's just yeah. got this look of, you know, <laughs> what she just did to him. And she's got this look of pure ecstasy on her face. Like, God, I love you. It's just so, such a great scene. Um, I, but I can't, well, I, I guess we'll talk, talk about that scene. In, yeah, I'm sorry. I think that's also like what, you know, turned you on to the book, the movie more so than the book, because in the book, there's a lot. It's a lot that gets really terrible. But when you watch the movie, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you, you're excited in a gross way to find out what she's up to next. Yeah, yeah well, in the book, she, she's a lot nastier to him. But uh, there was a lot of back and forth between like Rob Ryder in the studio and, and uh, Kathy Bates about how far they should go. Like, is she going to chop his foot off? Is she going to actually cut it doesn't he cut his thumb off with like an electric meat she carving does. knife yeah. 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 yeah but yeah it puts it in the cake i think i think uh i think at the end of the day for a film it, it was better going the way that they went it, it's less i mean it's not less brutal but it's less gory and it, it's more visceral it's like the way that those the feet break at those angles yes. it's just uh, i know uh, uh, about it. <laughs> and I actually think that, that that's actually more of, a, of an effective scene when she hobbles him versus actually cutting off his, his foot because I think, you know, like with, with a foot chop in that instance, it's kind of quick and done and there's like the money shot for like the makeup effects. But that scene when she's actually sledgehammering his, his fucking ankles, like you feel that. Yeah, it's, oh, like, yes. it's like when Judd gets yes, to the Kelly's. Yes, I do. <laughs> bit you know the other one's coming and you're like ah oh, yes that's oh, it right. you know the, you know yeah. the other one's coming that's and exactly right and it's almost like they didn't even need to show the second one right they don't even show it. and she says to him it's okay it's almost almost done what do you mean almost done it's, like you're gonna it's, it's almost like when, when judd when judd gets his uh gets his achilles cut in pet cemetery yeah. It's almost like that scene. Yeah. Like you, 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 as as fake as it looks, by the way, because I've gone back and watched it since. It looks fake as fuck. But <laughs> I get it. The '80s. I get it. I get it. But you still feel it. You still feel it. Like even now, like my my right Achilles is like throbbing right now, just thinking about that. So. Yes. I want to jump in because okay, like everybody, we all have our things around here. And my thing is bitching about the books compared to the movie. Dave has his backstory. We all have our things. Mine is Candy's bitching about the book compared to the movie. And I really honestly only have one complaint. 
And I, I, I do understand why they left it out a little. Because um, I think taking such a cerebral book where a lot of the book takes place inside his head, his thoughts. And we have so much going on in his mind because he's trapped in his bed, in this room, or in the wheelchair, in the room. You know, so we're going in his head. So they, they did a very good job of, of making a movie out of that, which is was hard to do, like Nico was saying. But I, I, I really think that the addiction is so important in the book. That's the reason he actually breaks out of the room the first time. Not necessarily, yeah, getting away from her was a big number two, but the number one reason was for drugs. And, and that was uh, also Stephen King being cathartic about his own addictions, which we know yeah. he's an alcoholic, addicted to cocaine, whatever, a slave. And and he and Annie Wilkes was not only the embodiment of these super fans trying to tell him what to do with his career, but um, you know a, a metaphor for the drugs that were trying to kill him and ruining his life. Um, so there's so many metaphors, and so I really wish that we could have done a version. You know, they could have left the addiction in there but i understand why they didn't the film still works really well but that's my one complaint but it's not a major one because you guys know i will shit all over somebody fucking up the book i hate that shit uh, we heard that a little bit in the shining which i wasn't even on but i did bitch about that, that book. <laughs> the movie. but this i only have that major complaint i mean otherwise i, I really think they did a phenomenal job with taking something that was 85% in the character's head and making it a, an entire fucking film and doing a great job at it. Um, so yeah, I, I really wish the addiction had played a role, but I understand you can only do so much. Just to sort of pick up there on what you said about obviously the book being so much in in the character's head as well. And I think this speaks, because obviously, you know, when whenever you talk about misery to anyone, it's it's all about Kathy Bates. And, and Nico, you said earlier, you know, give James Caan his props. And I think it's so many times when you know, Annie is out of the house. He, he, you can see the thoughts inside his head. We obviously don't have that internal narrator here, and I think he does such an amazing job at, at displaying a lot of those internal thoughts non-verbally as well. Um, so yeah. just to pick up on what Nico said earlier as well, like yeah. really big props got to go to James Khan for this as well. Definitely. The whole cast really. We get Lauren McCall, uh, Richard Farnsworth. Everybody's fucking great in this. Um, Nico. Right, so I kind of wanted to touch on, you know, you brought up the themes already. And yes, we do know that one of the themes was, was you know, this is also a way for Stephen King to kind of like, you know, his his rehab, the addictions that he had with alcohol and with drugs, you know, things of that nature. But it also kind of touched on what, what Ivy was saying with this. This book kind of touched on the fact that like a lot of um, fandoms, but specifically, and I will say because I'm in them, is would be horror, you know, wrestling and superhero has probably the and i'll be honest they have the most toxic fan base yeah they, they really do they, they as, as rabid and as loyal as as and, and football like like sports like they know, that, that's another one but right but like specifically i i feel like horror and wrestling are like the the two and i would say superhero too like are the three that are most toxic and i think this book touches on the fact of how you know, Ivy was saying earlier, Eyes of the Dragon came out first. It wasn't well responded by by King fans until probably much later. And even then, I'm sure now they still won't respect the, the genius of that book because even, it ties into everything. Yeah, they don't even respect the Dark Tower series. They yeah, still I don't. Because I was thinking of the Dark Tower series because it does play a role in that. Um, like 
uh, almost everything does, but either Dragon did have uh, Randall Flagg in one of his many appearances. And and I think that but, was but his this, first chronological appearance too. But but this but the book and the movie also kind of back of like you know. Not not only is Annie just just a crazed fan, but she has like this this particular vision of, you know, her her guy of of Paul Sheldon, and the fact that he's even looking remotely to stray away into other, you know, avenues of, you know, writing books and killing off her quote unquote her misery. That's that also speaks to fans now. How I mean, think about it. Like how the other like how often do we do we mention about Rob Zombie touching Halloween or or the monsters now. Or you know the the remake du jour that that comes out every month that we're like why the fuck are they even doing this? That's us. We're we're Annie in that in that instance because we're so rabid and you know loyal to to what we love that when something strays we don't like it. And and I think that that actually like like Annie represents like toxic fandom as a whole as that one character. And I think that you know obviously the props have to go to Stephen King for that first for even creating her in that in that instance but also too to Kathy Bates and Rob Reiner for kind of you know visually showing how how toxic our our fandom really can get if if we allow it to to you know push us to that point yeah Yeah, but putting it into a character that is you know disturbed and crazy and will do just about anything to make you do what they want you right you should be doing very brilliant. Right. I love that Stephen King, um, he was very impressed with Kathy Bates in this film, to the point that he wrote the novel Killer Stanford, which is so underrated, by the way, including the film, which, 100%. Is, uh, which is also phenomenal. He wrote it with uh, Kathy Bates in mind, and then, you know, she got the role, of course, in the film, and that's another knockout role for her. Um, but I think that movie is way underappreciated. And uh, so I think that's really cool. And I remember uh, I had this very specific memory when Stephen King, um, you know, got nearly fatally hit by that van. Um, uh, I think it was People Magazine. I was like leaving third of the doctors or some shit. And they had like made fun of her because she sent him like, you know, this big like flower arrangement, whatever. And they had a friendship at that point. And uh, she said, got novel. And they said that was the most tasteless, horrible thing she could have done. I'm sure Stephen King had a fucking kick out of it. You know, I'm sure he did. homage to this this uh, story, this character that he really respected that she brought to life. And I was like, fuck you, People Magazine. Go worry about the Royals or somebody. Like, fuck you. <laughs> right. And fuck you know, off. you know what else I could jump into? It's almost it, it, Stephen King has such a knack for creating these characters, but I feel like. You know, with his female characters, he's he's very in tune with with that. You know, he with is. Danny Wilkes, with with Harry. Yeah. You know, um, um, and my my actual favorite character that he's created is Holly Gibney in the Bill Hodges trilogy. Um, I I love that character. I'm I'm waiting for an actual. I know, and yeah, and I'm I'm actually waiting for a proper um adaptation of that character to be done on, on film oh or or TV. Because so far they haven't gotten it right. Dark Tower. I was gonna see fucking Susanna. I love like Odetta. You know, like all all of her incarnations. But Susanna ultimately, I'd love to see. You know what? Even 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 little little Charlie. As much as like we we goof about. You know, Firestarter kind of being meh. Like he does Charlie justice in the book too, and she's done justice in the movie. Like he's even even Christine to a degree. I know I know it's just a car, but like you know, she 
her, yeah. like how Arnie refers to her, you know what I mean? Um, Christine's a very strong female character for being, you know, a quote-unquote inanimate object. So I think, you know, Steve, Stephen King knows knows what he's doing when he's creating these characters. And he's not. When I read that, um, that was so like in like absolutely 100% in tune for her experiences and how she was thinking, like. Even just like her minor back back of her head thoughts were just absolutely on point. Yeah. I tell you the truth. I mean, I think this yeah. is one of the few times I remember. I don't think I had seen Kathy. I know Kathy Bates has been around for a while before the movie, but I don't think I saw her until I, I saw Misery when it first came out as a kid when I was young because I had I had cool parents. So like I was able to watch just just like you can. Like, I was able to watch all the same shit like, yeah, like you were. But we watched it and we were just like we were just like holy shit like this this woman is going to be a superstar after this. And look what happened. Titanic. Yeah. She was great. in Titanic. She's, she's great in everything she's in. Yeah. She's really great. You know what too, real, real quick. Can I bring it up? Cause I, I feel like Candy's probably the only one that might've seen this. And I think maybe Ivy has, how awesome is it that she, she was in the movie Angus as his mom. I didn't see it. Yeah. I, feel I, like I, I made an intention to, but I didn't. I, did you see it, Sean or no? No, no, I haven't seen it. All right, so you guys would love it. It's about a it's about a heavy set kid that kind of um yeah. Yeah, I that. he it's it's a it's a 90s it's a total 90s like coming of age like comedy drama. But Kathy Bates is mom who's a truck driver and she's she's fucking great in it. But um Angus is like the hero and it's just it's a great I highly recommend it if you can catch and it catch it. For other Kathy Bates performances like earlier on um Fried Green Tomatoes is like a fucking amazing film. Um, I feel like that was after. Was it after? It was the same year, but I think it was, it was after. The same, it was same, the same year. year. But it was, I think it was a little. It was bit after. But we have really I, I have, I have seen Fried Green Tomatoes. It's a great movie. It's a fucking amazing movie, and it's so ahead of its time. Uh, you know, because people think it's one thing, but when you really watch it, it's about other things. Um, but yeah, I mean, mostly she was doing stage work before that. So yeah. And, uh, hey, and you know. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just wanted to point out, uh, talk about her toxic fandom, although at the, the very uh, linchpin of the film is if it wasn't for her toxic fandom, he would have died there in the car. She's only the only reason he's saved is because she was stalking him. So I thought that was a really interesting twist on it. it actually winds up saving his life. Whether or not he's better off for that at the end of the day yeah, is the question. question. But if it wasn't for her, her, uh, you know, being obsessed with him, he would have died there in the car crash and we wouldn't have the movie, you know. So I, I found that in- interesting. Well, if I can, if I can, if I can throw something in real quick about, you know, regarding, you know, the the fandom and and Stephen King, um, I had read this article a long time ago, and he was at a book signing at a Barnes and Nobles, and he requires several things when he does book signings, and one of those is band aids, because his thumb tends to bleed when because he signs so many books. And they had forgotten to bring Band-Aids. And so he tells this girl that, that he needs a Band-Aid. So she's about to run off to get a Band-Aid when the person behind um, the, the person who's getting their book signed notices that he left a bloody thumbprint in their book. And so that person wants a bloody thumbprint in their book. Next thing you know, <laughs> next thing you know, everybody yep. in line yep. – Wants yep. this bloody thumbprint. <laughs> How bad would that be, though? Come on, if you're a true fan. Right. <laughs> that would be badass. It would be great. Yeah. Yeah, but there's 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 just a level of things that you don't do. 
them. Yeah, and that, and that's so, probably one of them. So after eight <laughs> hours of, of signing and, and bloody bloody thumbprints and books, they ended up having to carry him out because oh, he wow. was so weak. Now, I would imagine not just you know the, the loss of blood, but probably sitting in a chair signing books for eight fucking hours. And bleeding. And bleeding. <laughs> but, but they actually had to carry him out. But he did that. You know, for his fans and, you know, and that's a testament to him, you know, but but it also it also says something about, you know, the people like I mean, yeah, you're right. It would be badass to get a bloody, you know, Stephen King's bloody thumbprint in it, you know, in a copy of of one of his books. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it was like panic mode, like everybody was freaking out. They wanted that bloody fucking thumbprint. He could have got the same results with just a red stamper. Right, right. I mean, he put his thumb. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, and this is actually interesting because I, when I worked at the movie theater, like this was something, and I had the post, and it got destroyed in the flood. So this is, so when Saw Three was coming out. So speaking of blood, and this actually ties in. Um, I don't know if you guys ever saw like the teaser poster where it's him like in the black robe, but it has like the red. You know, like the robe that that Jigsaw wears in the movie. Yeah. Well, to get the right amount of red, and this was like super rare, and only the the movie theaters got this. So any other thing you see is it's got to be the double sided. They actually took a vial of Tobin Bell's blood to mix with the ink to get the red just perfect. Mm. Oh wow! Mm-mm. So this Mm-mm. this is this is how committed to and this was also for because you know whenever they, they did a saw movie they had a blood drive for for the saw movies as well to get people to like donate blood to you know save lives ironically. But this was also a, a way that that because they were like oh look well Tobin Bell's using his blood. But like, why why can't you save yours to you know help other people? But I just thought it was interesting that you said that you know King is doing bloody thumbprints, and here Tobin Bell was like, yeah, go ahead, take 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 a pint, use use it for the ink. I don't give a shit. Like you're right. good. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, seventies. Um, when their Marvel comics series came out, they poured their blood. Each of them took blood and they poured it into the red ink. Um, so yeah. you know, the seventies comics, which I used to, I don't anymore. Um, any uh, of those, they all have the blood of all the four. Numbers in the ink, the red ink. Wow, I didn't know that either. That's yeah. interesting. And you know, what's funny, you brought up, you know, <clears throat> could anybody else play this character? Like, I don't even think this is even going to be up for, because, you know, I'm, I'm always the one that has like the Liddy scoop for you guys with anything like this. I don't even think this has even been named to be remade. I know the closest they got was the Castle Rock show on Hulu. Yeah, the second during season, that season, and they like and Lizzie Lizzie Kaplan, who I love, Lizzie Kaplan, I, I adore her ever since yeah, Mean Girls. Yeah, and, and loved her in Cloverfield and Hot Tub Time Machine. Think she's a great actress, but um, I don't think she captured girls. the essence. I said Mean Girls. That was the first thing I said. Oh, I can hear Mean Girls. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. I mean, come on. You know, I, my my script ripped that off. So of course, of course I love Mean Girls. <laughs> um. We um. What was I saying? Oh, but I don't. I don't think that they really got. I don't think she got the essence of the character. Like I think. I think it was just like a touch, and I feel like it, it's almost like how um, Christian Serrato is playing Selena on the Netflix show, where it's almost like she's emulating J Lo's version of Selena, where Lizzie Kaplan was was trying to emulate Kathy Bates. I don't think it worked. But Kathy Bates herself for the show. Though, didn't raise the performance. Of Lizzie Kaplan, she did, but it's. I mean, that's that's also the diplomatic thing to do. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, Kathy Bates is just but, a cool person, but you and know, she's just a class act. Smoke a breath, she must have like something about it, you know? Yeah. Well, one, it, one thing I love. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, Sean, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish what you're gonna say. Well, I was gonna say one thing about Kathy Bates. I don't think it's brought up enough. Um, she's such a huge advocate for 
from marijuana, and I and I love that about her. Yeah. Like I honestly like I just want to chill out with Kathy Bates. Just like either have a drink with her or smoke a bowl and just like just like shoot the shit with Kathy Bates. I feel like that would be like one of the most entertaining like moments in time. So to, just didn't, to just hang out with Kathy Bates. Didn't Kathy Bates yeah. have a Netflix show where she ran a yeah, store? Dis, disjointed, yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Perfect casting. Yeah. I love her. I do. I love Kathy Bates. No, what what I wanted to say, I wanted to touch on, like you said, you know, you didn't think that there could be anybody else that could play this role. Um, there were a lot of actors that they had lined up um, that they wanted to play um, Paul Sheldon. And, you know, I mean, you had Jack Nicholson who, you know, he turned it down because after his experience with, you know, Stanley Kubrick and The Shining, he was like, <laughs> fuck this. Um, but... <laughs> You, you had you had a lot of people. You had John Hurd. You know, you 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 had a lot a lot of people. But the one that stood out to me um, was Tim the Tool Man Allen. <laughs> like, yeah. Really? No way. Now, uh-uh. When I read that, I had to do a double take. I'm like, wait, is that Tim Allen? Could you imagine the like they'd have this internal dialogue just be like grunt he would do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, she would hobble his leg, and he would just go. No one would take that seriously. <laughs> no. No. talk about real quick uh richard fonsworth and uh, francis sternhagen as the the sheriff and the wife that the, they they're 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 uh back and forth their dialogue with each other is uh, only a small part of the movie but it brings such a it, it's it's a nice sort of a palate cleanser from the horror their little comedy their little back and forth you know she's she's grabbing his inner thigh and when they're driving and <laughs> yeah. uh, for, uh, um francis sternhagen's the best i loved her in outland anybody seen that that's sean connery sci-fi from way back then she's great in that uh, i just wanted to make sure I, I pointed out how much i love them in the movie this couple who've been married for obviously ever and they have this sarcastic back and forth and actually they, they he's not like this bumbling country cop he's actually really sharp yes. and clever he you know he has he, he he knows the right questions to ask. He knows his things. And when he gets shot uh, in that uh, basement scene, actually broke my heart in the film. I'm like, oh yeah, my god, he he does. can't 
he can't die. Yeah. I remember that really bothered me more than just about anything else. The fact that he dies. And I think in the book, he wasn't nearly as interesting. He was more just. No, I mean, we had a, a kind of more of a bevy of cops. Like there's the one that she runs over with the lawnmower. The and then there was one he, he thought of as David and Goliath, which would be our muster. And it was just, it was a much smaller thing, but they beefed it up because we couldn't have the whole movie take place inside of his head. So I understand why they did it. And I, they picked great actors for these roles. Yeah, it's just the best. I love when, when she like smarts off to him and he goes, there's that spice that keeps our marriage going. Yeah, yeah. I just love that. I just love that. Yeah. She's not I love she likes romances. <laughs> like, where do you think I've got the energy? It reminded me of me and Sean, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> you're on the show, you're my deputy. <laughs> uh, Nico. All right, so here's just a list of some of the names that these, the studio wanted before it was ultimately James Kahn and Kathy Bates. So for Paul Sheldon, William Hurt was offered it twice, Kevin Klein, Michael Douglas, Harrison Ford, Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Richard Dreyfuss, Gene Hackman, and Robert Redford were all offered it and turned it down. Warren Beatty was going to do the movie, but he wanted uh, Paul Sheldon to be less passive, but had to drop out anyway because of Dick Tracy, because it was around the same time they were shooting. Until James Con- uh, James Conn almost, you know, got got the role, and he said, um, and I quote from on here, it says that being a totally reactionary character is really much tougher anything he's ever done and this is why he kind of stepped into the role of paul Schultz because it wasn't his typical tough guy remember this was you know the godfather you know sonny corleone Corleone, you know um and then angelica houston and bet midler were who the studio wanted for (laughs) annie wilkes which i love them both i love that midler more than i love angelica houston but i I can't picture either one i don't feel like they were right for that role at all yeah. No. Like in any way, just the the, the air about them, everything. I'd also hire. No, I, I, but but then again, they they each got their own kooky character with you know, Beth doing Winifred Sanford for Hocus Pocus, and of course Angelica Houston doing Morticia Adams for the Adams Family because she's probably super iconic for that alone. As a completely deranged psychopathic murderer. Right. I I, I, I couldn't see it because honestly. <laughs> Right. And like, honestly, both of them, like as 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 actors and and as women, they're they're kind of ballsy women off the bat. Like, I don't really see them going to that place like Kathy Bates did. And I'm not saying Kathy Bates isn't a ballsy woman in general, but at the time, those two were already kind of, you know, they were already known for who they were as as two not to be fucked with. Uh, Yeah, no, I was just to say I'd heard that Barbara Streisand was also someone else who had been. Talked about further on. I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure how that one. I could could not could not see that at all. Never. Never. (laughs) Just be too cheerful, and I'd be like, okay, do it. Do some show tunes. Do some show tunes. (laughs) Broke his ankles, and it was like butter. Butter. (laughs) Like butter. (laughs) Sing me something from Yentl. Could you imagine that? That Barbara Streisand Tim Allen combo. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. yeah, this is a different movie now. Now it's a different movie. Now it's a comedy. 
I can't believe I don't even think I don't even think Tim Allen at, at his peak could do something like this. And I like Tim Allen, I guess, but there's no way he could have done something like this. He he's not that great of an actor. The holidays and that's it. Yeah, and I I mean I used to watch Home Improvement, but I don't think I could see him as Paul Sheldon. You know what, too? And honestly, real quick, this is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And real quick, to bring up Warren Beatty real quick, this is the second time that he's stepped out of something. Remember, he was um the original Bill for Kill Bill. Yeah. And he, oh, and, I, and I think he, yeah, he was the original Bill. Like, but he was also, signed, sealed, yeah, delivered. It was good that he stepped out because somebody better did the role. Right, right. You know? We needed Caradine as Bill. It just wouldn't have worked. I mean, we he did. Was great as Bill. Which I'm, like, I'm sure I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about those type of casting choices when Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah, well, we're gonna be. You can, you can edit that out. Doing more than one um, Tarantino film, if I can just say that, I'm sure we'll be doing more than yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I jump again. Um, I don't know what it was, but I'm sure I can find something to say here. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what my point was. Um, but there's just so much to say about this film. Uh, James Khan, I think he, yeah, we, we do need to definitely praise his performance. Uh, I, I wanted to echo what somebody had said earlier about him showing on his face and through his characteristics, what was going through Paul's head. Um, but, you know, we also had to, a new sort of Paul had to be created because when we take the addiction out, it takes out a lot of what was in the book, but it was, he was really good at doing this. But I know that on um, my point is, here it is. Okay. I got there. <laughs> Um, so, um, Kathy Bates was really frustrated because she came from theater and she was frustrated with James Tom because he didn't want to rehearse and she would get really frustrated and kind of mad and complained with Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner's like, use that, use that in the film, you know? And so those moments where she's like, what you made me do? You know, the whole, yeah, you could see the frustration because he was just like, not wanting to prepare for the role, and she's like hyper prepared. And she got so in the zone that Rob's writer would be like, You need to leave Annie here, you cannot, you have to leave this here because she was so into the role. But, um, I, I thought that was kind of smart on Rob Ryder's part, like, Yeah, use that, use that, use that, you know, um, in this interaction between your character and, and his. Uh, so you can see that that frustration is real, and she was just so good at, uh, you know, at what she does, that she did channel it in all the right places. And I think that that was just brilliant. Um, gives that kind of edge that we need in this, this believability. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny because I, I picture her taking that with her offset and using words like cock a <laughs> you know, like like she goes like she goes to the bank and, and tells him she needs some Christing money, you know. <laughs> yeah, so the one thing I've always had a problem with with this film, although I've come to terms with it, is I James Kahn, I always uh, I used to think wasn't the right actor for this role, because like we said, he was fucking Sonny Corleone. He was in Rollerball. He was in the killer elite. He is these tough guys, you know, I, I like these MacGyver tough guys who would have figured out a way to kill her with the hairpin that he used to pick the lock. So I had a, it took me a long time to come around to him in this role. Um, 
I don't know if that that's probably just more of a statement about my lack of imagination, but um, I've, I've come I've come to appreciate it, especially especially the moments where he is very sarcastic towards her. Like when she's saying something about the uh, the meatloaf and he says, why, you can't get this at a restaurant in New York. You know, it's like this sort of passive aggressive because he knows. But at that point, he knows that if he ticks her off, she's going to, you know, bust his knees again. Um, he's great at that sort of thing. I th- uh, that That's what he brings to this role is that sort of uh, uh, sarcasm. When she um, is waving to him out, she's out in the yard with the pig and she waves out and he flips her off. Like, uh, and, she, and she just says, oh, you silly you. That's a great scene. That's great James Conn stuff. I was going to... I love That's yeah. a great scene. And that actually shows her, was, complete, her, complete, her complete disconnect from reality at that point, too. He's like, she's already like broken his ankles and got him addicted to Norville, and he she flipping around and she's like, "Oh, you silly!" Yeah, you know that she's like totally disconnected from reality at that point. I, I, I actually, I, I loved, I loved the the just the small glimpses that you see of him like uh, bench pressing the typewriter, yeah. <laughs> right. kind of foreshadows, you know, what's to come, and and you just get these small glimpses of him getting prepared for. You know, yeah, yeah, pulling the knife out of the the tourniquet and all that stuff. Definitely, um, Ian. Yeah, just to carry on what David was saying there, I I I really love it when a, a character or an actor, sorry, really sort of steps out of what you are used to seeing them in. <clears throat> As you're saying, James Caan's obviously this person who we were so used to seeing in these tough guy roles that I always I always find it a little bit special when they step out of it and then deliver this really great performance. Um, but my other point was um, back to uh, back to Kathy Bates as well. Um, you know, we've talked about how the casting for her was really great and and all that, but I don't think it was just great because of her performance. I think just physically as well, her physical performance in it is so good. I uh, you you genuinely believe that Kathy Bates is someone who could, you know, bust uh, Paul Sheldon out of the car and just sort of sling him sling him over her shoulder and carry him to safety. You believe jumping forward to the sort of end the the end fight scene that she she could take him. You know, she could absolutely she could kick his arse. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly how Stephen King described Annie in the book, built, wise, you know, very sturdy. Um, you know, the way that her hair, everything is perfect about her physically, but also she brings this amazing acting to it. So it's just like everything is so perfect. It was like meant to be. She was meant to play this role. And she got a fucking Oscar for it, which well deserved. Um, I usually don't always agree with the Academy, but on occasion we get shit right. Um, but yeah, so she totally earned it. Uh, Ivy. Did you know that he actually dreamt of like what Annie would be, um, while he was like, like, I think it was before he wrote this or right as he was starting to write it, he had a dream about like this woman of like, just, just like that, just like her. And it was just, that's what it became. And I honestly believe that he dreamt of Kathy Bates specifically. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not into that kind of stuff. And I believe that things happen for a reason. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Um, Nico. So Stephen King actually um, said that this is actually in his top 10 of adaptations of his work like he is a huge fan of what rob reiner did with this and especially what 
you know, Kathy Bates did. And I mean, even when she, she won the well-deserved Oscar, she thanked Stephen King for even dreaming up this character. Yeah. You know, uh, how, how, how fitting that, you know, Rob, Rob Reiner was the first one to get Stephen King gold for, for the Academy. Yeah. How, how fitting. Cause at the time he was the first one to really direct like the great adaptation which would stand by me. And then misery right after. So, I mean, I think, I think just, um, you know, I know I know it's like repeating, but I just can't help it. This movie's fantastic. The cinematography is great. Everything yeah, about this Chris movie. Yeah, and some of the shots, and got William Goldman um, doing the writing. I mean, this is like all star shit. And it has a very claustrophobic feel to it too, which yes. is good. Yeah. And very it's intimate. Nice to bring us out of that, out of that room a little bit by giving us a little bit more, you know, uh, beefed up some outside characters. You know, we got Lauren Bacall mm-hmm. as agent stuff like that but it still felt so fucking um ian yeah it's just that as well like i know it feels like we're repeating myself a lot but that tension that claustrophobic feeling that scene where you know he's going through the house and he's you know he tries to go for the phone but there's no bottom in the phone um you know it's innards have been released and i don't know about you guys but when he knocks over is it the little penguin figurine yeah, he puts it. He puts it back the wrong way around. You're screaming at the TV. Yeah, you're right. screaming at your TV. You put it the wrong way around. She will notice. Right. right. I think people with OCD like me the notice fears. that more. Like, no, turn it back. I'm like, no. When she oh, shit. it is when I started to feel in it the most because I was just like, oh no, like what's coming? And this is gonna be bad. And it's not like in the book because I mean uh, there was a very important part where because the penguins was actually on a block of ice it said now my tale is told and Stephen King likes to use quotes and then you know that now my tale is told is very important um but it's still you know the penguin's still there and people who read the book know about that um but yeah I I just that moment you're just like I read the book I know what's gonna happen but oh shit (laughs) um Dave well I'm glad Ian brought up the scene with the phone because I wanted to talk about that real quick like up up to that point, like at first he's like relieved to be safe, and then he notices she's a little bit different, but a little eccentric. But when he gets out into the hallway and he picks up that phone and looks at the bottom, and you realize it's just a prop, it's just it's that's like the oh shit, I'm in big trouble moment. And I was reading some reviews online, and somebody was complaining about that, like why would she bother to do that? You know, that's just ridiculous like no that shows how fucking crazy she is like she she, well not just how crazy she is but how aware she is of how crazy she is she's like okay i i need to at least make it look like i need to make it look like i'm normal so i'm gonna put a fake phone here so people think you know i actually but when he picks up that phone that's the oh shit moment i think in this um in this movie you realize okay this is not you know we're not in kansas anymore and uh I better start hoarding my Norville because the bitch is crazy. Yeah, we're into the second act now. <laughs> right. I, I just love that. Scary. I love that reveal of the empty phone. I think that's great. Yeah, and also like how like uh, calm she is when Buster shows up and she invites him in the house, knowing full well that she's got you know Paul Sheldon in her basement, and she's just casual about letting him come in, letting him walk around, uh, do his thing. And it, you know, I'm big into true crime. We've talked about it before. And that's something that, you know, like John Wayne Gacy, he did that. 
he had 30 he had you know 29 kids buried in his crawl space mm. and and he had no problems letting the the detectives come in and nose around his house and it was only because his furnace turned on that they could smell the decomposition and that's that's how he ended up getting caught yeah. but but that's what it made me think of like she was just so like she knew what she was doing when he when when he found that that scrapbook and he's going through and and you see all those newspaper clippings of all the things that she had done in the past and he realizes like you know oh fuck like like this is who I'm fucking dealing with like you know the nah. and, and phone thing and and that's when he realized like shit I got I got to be prepared for this yeah yeah uh, Nico. one thing i think that also helps the fact that it was Rob Reiner that did direct this movie was that he had the comedy background and i feel like he had the good sense to kind of pepper in <clears throat> some humor in the right spots to kind of break up the tension a little bit. So it kind of catches you off guard when something brutal happens that, that Annie's causing to, to fall like the scene that Dave uh, brought up earlier that I was going to also bring up when, you know, she's out in the yard with the pig and he flips her off and she's like, you fool or like that. That's funny. But are we, are we laughing because it's funny or because it's like a nervous laugh? Because it's of, not you know, that the, funny. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But then it's, it's like one of those, like, it's almost like, like how the, the Joker is in the dark night. How he's very, you know, deadly serious. And like, we're kind of laughing, but it's like one of those like nervous laughs. We're like, huh, like, what are you going to do next for your, for your encore now? Like, how are you going to follow the, the, the next trick up? Um, and I, and I think that's a testament to, to, you know, both Stephen King and, and Rob Reiner for, having like like the foresight to actually add a little bit of dark humor to the film and you know also to a lot of you know we we crack about some of the you know the, the christing money the cock duty car but this is also a person who was obviously mentally ill and that also shed light on that of, of like like that that type of you know she's almost like pa- paranoid but i won't curse <laughs> right <laughs> right so until until she gets right situation <laughs> yeah in, until until i mean i i would say she's what, what do they call what, what type of um illness would that be that she has though it would be like like you know, T- aggression and uh, with, <laughs> Tourette's maybe and what, what, what would it be um she has like high, really bipolar disorder high highs and then her lows you're gonna die Literally. And what's the yeah, other, she what's, said. What's the yeah. other one? Oh, border, borderline personality. That's what it is. Borderline. There's also uh, she's a sociopath. She will absolutely kill you and just like go on. Like when she was. Then there's more detail in the book. Like we see these little clippings. We don't have to really read them in the movie, but we get general idea. But in the book, we get all the details. She was killing babies. She was killing people who were elderly. She was killing her lovers. She was killing her roommates, her father. She killed and yeah. then just like went on, but don't curse. Don't say curse. <laughs> right. What's wrong don't with curse. you? Yeah. She, she also anybody. might, might be borderline. Fire. She might be borderline schizophrenic at points too, because oh, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot in, in, in her mind. <laughs> I, I mean, I get really kind of touchy on mental illness because I have mental illness, but I am not a harmful type of mental illness. I just have a lot of anxiety and you know whatever. But I mean, there are these signs, you know, um, talking about street crime. Um, Sean's kind of educated me, and there are some criteria. Um, and certain disorders that, you know, you definitely have to be a sociopath to be to murder like that to do these things. So, so we've definitely got a sociopath on our hands and definitely some um, really disturbing, like she's criminally insane. There's something different oh, yeah. between that and somebody who's mentally ill. And so we're definitely, he, he realizes she's not just 
um, you know, maybe a little different. Like, she's fucking gonna kill me crazy. Like, should be locked up criminally insane. That's a different kind of crazy, you know? Like, like she is fucking guano batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave? Well, like, when the sheriff shows up, um, when he finally shows up at her door, what brought him there was because he went to the um, general store and the clerk told him that she had bought a couple of reams of paper. And that's what brings him to her door. And it shows how clever she is, because when he shows up, she immediately does the, the, the back trail and realizes that that's why. And so she says, OK, I bought a bunch of paper because I wanted to be like Paul Sheldon. That shows how clever she is. And that makes her so much more terrifying. She's absolutely insane, like over the rainbow, fucking crazy, but still clever enough to know what brought him there. Like she immediately did the calculus. OK, he's here because I bought that paper. So I need to come up with a reason why I bought that paper. She's so clever and yet so crazy, which makes her doubly terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't know what kind of mood you're going to get with her. Like, I'm going to have my Liberace mm-hmm. records or I'm going to fucking hobble you. No. Right. You don't know what. So and you don't know. Is she? Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't know what to expect here. No. But I, I love how he he eventually feeds into her love for misery and the novels. And you start to see that because one moment she's, you know, super fucking crazy. And the next minute she's, <laughs> oh, Paul, you know, who's misery going to going to be with? And, you know, this, that and the other. And, right. Yeah. And and so like so he, he eventually learns, you know, how to play the game. And so when he flips the script on her, you know, at, at the end, when he he does what she did with the book. And, you know, he lights it on fire and everything like like he learned her game. He learned how to play her game. Yeah, and he says this is essentially a Shirazadi story, you know, um, if you're familiar with that, you know, the one that um, I'm going to kill you. But, you know, you tell really good stories. So they kept coming up with more and more story to stay alive. And that's essentially what this is, you know, a Shirazadi story, um, which is back in your old Arabic you know, folklore. No, see, you just schooled me. Although, yeah, I never heard that before. Although what's what's interesting, what's it's, what's interesting is in the book. Remember, he actually publishes the final misery book. He doesn't burn it in the book. And, and in the ending, he's very he's, he's trying to get over his opioid addiction, and he's almost missing Annie because of the drugs. And that's yeah. why they when they took that out, it, we got a different ending. But it still works. I'm not too, too mad about it. I did think it was a very important part of the story and something that um, I care about and something that was very cathartic for Stephen King. But I understand. And and it, I, I still like the film. You know, I'm not going to shit on it. I, I can't dock too many points for that because I, I like the movie. And I think they did a great job with what they, they did with it. Um, I do prefer the book because that's just what I do. But, you know. <laughs> One thing I, I think is cool that you know, because Stephen King has like this, he he's he's been doing like 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 the connected universe before anybody else is doing it. Like, but before it was actually cool, you know. Forget DC and Marvel for a second because they they were doing it too. But um, in other books, as you go forward, I mean, I'm, you guys know Paul Paul Sheldon exists. Yes. Outside of the Misery book. But it all does with the Dark Tower. Well, he's also he's also mentioned in Rose Matter. As being Rose's favorite um, author, um, what's the other book? I think he's also mentioned in um, the Bill Hodges trilogy, right, Ivy? Or something? Isn't somebody reading like the, the Paul the Paul Sheldon Misery books or something in that? 
You might be right. I, I, yeah, I think I think I think, so. I think Holly Holly might be the one that well no no Holly's a cinephile. No, so she wouldn't be reading. But one of one of them they they mentioned Paul Sheldon's misery books throughout later on. It's the, I think even the even the, um the outsider it's mentioned in the outsider that somebody's reading the Paul uh, the the new the new Paul Sheldon paperback or something. Yeah, well I read I read in the trivia that that apparently Paul Sheldon was was had grown up in Derry. And was friends oh. with with Eddie uh, from It. So you know, and there's there's you know little backstories. You know, like Dave is probably losing his shit. You know, trying to figure <laughs> out Paul Sheldon's childhood. <laughs> well, Dave, I I got to tell you, I I wanted to do Sean's shitty reviews. Yes, please. And I plan on it. But I have to I have to, to tell you something. There were absolutely zero one star reviews of this on IMDB. I was I was absolutely shocked. They will find something wrong with a masterpiece. But but the two star reviews I found are just as good. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're gonna start out with uh, Liz Tioli. Um she gave this two stars. Uh, the this movie was horrid. It did not do justice to the novel. The storyline was just too far away for it to be enjoyable. I sat there in horror watching what the writers, directors, actors, and everybody else involved did to massacre such a good book. It was wrong. Wow. Um, our, watching it with her eyes open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, our second, our second two-star review comes from uh, Cody Dietrich. Uh, failed to be what it should have been. It tries to be dark, suspenseful, serious, and yet ends up slightly dark, slow, boring spoof horror movie. I've seen spoof scenes from Misery and adult cartoon comedies that are based in ridiculous nonsense situations and always thought, wow, that's ridiculous and much more overly simplified and not credible, even in a fictitious cartoon. Word salad. And then, and then, last but not least, um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this person's name because it's just a bunch of consonants. Um, <laughs> the title is appropriate. <clears throat> Don't be fooled by this by the impressive credentials. This ugly, abusive excuse for a motion picture is just a trashy, big budget adaptation of yet another Stephen King potboiler. Even worse, it's a transparent, masochistic revenge fantasy aimed straight at the fans. Who made King a success in the first place? So there's somebody who was their number one fan. Sure, King. <laughs> they probably are Annie Wilkes. Yeah. Our in real life version. Yeah. So those those were like the worst of the worst. They all get better from there. So. Yeah, yeah but even at two stars, you must be doing something right still, you know? You yeah. Give it one star. We've we've done really great movies that have one star reviews. Like what? Yeah. So we'll just we'll call this Sean's kind of shitty reviews. <laughs> yeah, as shitty as they want to be. The shittiest it could get for this movie. That's right. Incredible. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so we are at the time. I guess we'll go ahead and start doing our reviews. Um, because I I have some things to say, of course, as usual. Um, for my review, I have to talk it up. So I'll go first, as usual. Because um, Mimi, I'm Mimi. Don't seem psycho, Gorman, and you're missing out. <laughs> Mimi is is me. Yeah. It's crazy ball. 
give it uh the same as candy nine out of ten spicy marriages um <laughs> as, I, as i said before not my favorite steve stephen king adaptation but langoliers it is not <laughs> yeah. um, uh, that. it is uh all-star cast all the way around um kathy bates did a phenomenal job um you know my man sonny corleone's in there um and <laughs> You know me, I love gore. This film did not need it because that fucking ankle scene was <gasps> just absolutely the best. I didn't even need to see the second one. I the, the first one did enough for me. Um I I could feel I could feel the hairs on my neck stand up when she put that that block of wood in between his mm-hmm. his feet because <laughs> I I remember the first time I watched it because I didn't necessarily know what was coming, but when she put that block of wood in between there, I'm like, this can't be good. No, this can't be good. no it can't be good. And, uh, I was 12 my first time watching it. I'm like, why does that have to go there? And then when she did, I was just like, oh, I couldn't I couldn't even stop myself from watching the second. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, and and and. <laughs> To, to touch on Kathy Bates, just like like we had talked about before, it wasn't even her her it, her just her presence, the the facial expressions she made, um, some some of the looks she gave him that that scene like I said before when she held she brought that that sledgehammer up and that look on her face she was just maniacal and devious and and she was she was ready to to bust some bust some ankles, but uh. Definitely a, a great film. 
she definitely deserves the uh, the Oscar for this. Um, nine out of ten spicy marriages. <laughs> okay, okay uh, Dave. Okay, so I'm going to give it nine out of ten uh, porcelain penguins facing the wrong way. Because... <laughs> Because if I had been Paul Sheldon, that shit never would have happened because I would have known that the penguin, you know, being the OCD, I would have known it should have faced the right way. Um, so, yeah, that's where OCD is like a superpower. Like, I notice shit like that. It's a superpower. What's, what's, yeah, that's your superpower, too? Yeah, it is mine. Yeah, it is. No, it is. If people don't I have to take meditation and chill it out. Because I know where everything is supposed to go. Believe me. Everything has to be done as well. I, I I love this movie. I, I like I said, I had a little problem with James Conn at the beginning because I wanted Sonny Corleone knocking her head with a trash can lid like in fucking The Godfather, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't get that. That would have been a different movie though. But um, I, I love this movie so much. I, I we can't say enough about the hobbling scene. Um, we didn't mention that. Uh, yeah, that was uh, K and B Effects Group did that effect. Yep. And they did it so well, like apparently they like arranged the uh, wax and rubber feet so they would bend at exactly the right angle to make it look like she was busting him in the ankle. It's like, oh, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that they did that, though. Right. No, that's what that's what makes it so I Oh, I wanted to say. So when I watched I was trying to think of other scenes in films that have made me that uncomfortable. And the one thing I kept coming back to was Marathon Man with um, Lawrence Olivier with the the drill you know is it safe then that that and, and if you're if you're referencing marathon man you you've you know you've done it right as far as the scenes that make you squirm so yep. all props to that yeah, i love this movie i love kathy bates this is the movie that really propelled her to start and that she deserved she had been around forever but this is the movie that really gave us kathy bates and i love her she seems like such a genuine person when you see her interviewed or when she accepted the academy award she said I'd like to thank uh, Jimmy Kahn and apologize publicly for the ankles. Like she knew, <laughs> you know, so I'd love to her for that. Yeah. So nine out of 10. Love it. Awesome. Uh, Ian. Yeah. I'm also going to give this nine out of 10 dirty birds. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm totally on board with you, Candy. I would have liked to seen just a little bit of that sort of addiction put into the movie i think it would have just added an extra layer to the character of paul sheldon and and an extra layer of tension something else to battle in there as well kathy bates is phenomenal in this i fully deserved her uh, her oscar that hobbling scene again i'm really quite happy that they changed that hobbling scene slightly from the book because you know for for purists and things like you think oh they've changed you know they've changed the book but what they came up with was so effective and you know it just that change and then you're like holy shit that's amazing as well um cinematography script everything everything about this movie is fantastic just very very small nitpicks but nothing nothing too major this is a near perfect film for me so nine out of ten dirty birds review um maybe uh so i'm gonna give it 10 out of 10 um fake phones (laughs) because <laughs> I'm telling you, like, the absolute dedication and attention to detail, not to mention the fact that I I had nightmares <laughs> of Annie coming after me. So it was effective. And uh, also the message was received. <laughs> the message he made with that was definitely well received. 
Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, um, Nico. So I'm going to send echo what Ivy said. I'm going to give this an out of 10 Liberace records. <laughs> <laughs> um, as, as far as any um, actual horror adaptation of Stephen King, this, this is, this is pretty much perfection. This is this is this should be the like the actual blueprint with every any filmmaker that's looking to adapt Stephen King's horror films. This this should be the one that you this that's- this should be your your blueprint. Um, Kathy Bates is perfection in this, and we've said it before. Like the Oscar was well deserved. I mean, I think she won pretty much everything that that she was up for that year, and rightfully so. I don't think any performance that year was even remotely on the same level of what she brought to that character. Um, yes, the, the character is more vicious in the book, but I I can't not see Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes, and her performance is it's not only flawless, it's fearless. And that's that's what works. But any good villain needs a good sort of hero or or protagonist. And the fact that James Caan went against type and played that type of character that was in a helpless situation when normally he would have fucking snuffed her out with any which way he probably could. The the fact that he that he didn't and the fact that James Caan of all people was a helpless. That was fucking great. Richard Farnsworth, the rest of the cast worked. The cinematographer we talked about, even the the claustrophobic, intimate settings of the film, everything worked. And again, we wouldn't have had this were it not for Stephen King. But I think Rob Reiner being the the, the choice for director was was probably the key component for this film working. And you know, I think that the, the movie also propelled him as a filmmaker more to get more you know higher end directing gigs later on in his career for for him but you know and i mentioned them before this is this is the one two punch that rob reiner mastered with stand by me and misery for stephen king adaptations he figured out the formula so he took what was already written by by king and kind of made his own little you know added his own little ingredients that that worked for those and i think again i said it before i think maybe only mike flanagan after him and look at how many years after the fact that it took might be the only other director to have a successful one, two punch with a Stephen King adaptation. But I think, I think he's doing another one soon, isn't he? Uh, Mike Flanagan. I think he's doing another Stephen King adaptation soon. Uh, I don't know. I I, I think he is. I had heard rumors about a Salem's lot remake and it kind of had, that is happening. That mm-hmm. is happening, and I think, I, I, if okay. I remember correctly, I, I think Warner Brothers and New Line is doing it, or Blumhouse, so, you know. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there you go. Um, we're going to be talking about Salem's Lot very, very, very soon, yes. uh, next week. So. The only thing, the only thing I, I did hear about Salem's Lot, though, that it's it's actually sticking truer to the book than what the, the, the TV movie did. Yeah. It was just such a... So, and, and I, I don't, I'm with you. Kind of thing. You know, I'll be interested I'm, to see it. I'm with, I'm with you, Sean. Actually, I I love Salem's Lot. It's actually in my in my top four of Stephen King books of all time. Is Salem's Lot, um, Misery the the book, Misery the film. They both go hand in hand. I love the fact that Rob Reiner took you know certain liberties. The hobbling scene alone is much more effective than getting his foot cut off with the axe. Um, again, I, I the 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 you know we we talked enough about it. Rob Reiner, Jim Jim Kemper, really realistically, Kathy Bates 
does it does it get much better than Kathy Bates no. as Annie Will? <laughs> I mean, re, I mean, I mean, re, realistically, I mean, any any film since like a lot of like the psychotic fan jumping characters, she's the basis for now because yeah. of that 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 chilling performance. And you know, thank thank God that Rob Reiner cast her in this film because we wouldn't have had Kathy Bates all these years later in American Horror Story. Or, you know, even like the water boy, as silly as that was, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. she's, she's just like, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. I, I legitimately want to hang out with Kathy Bates and just have a couple of beers and just like, just, just shoot the shit with Kathy Bates. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's how awesome she is to me. He's very cool. Yeah. So 10, 10 out of 10 Liberace records. I, I think, I, you know, aside from the Shawshank Redemption, the Green Mile and Stand By Me, this, this is the pinnacle of the horror adaptations for Stephen King. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I I really think this is one of the better ones. Because uh, most of them suck ass, and let's just admit that. <laughs> uh, my list is a little different, but uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's it's more because I guess I'm a, I'm a cinephile too, so like I I look at movies, you know, all all types, and I and I think that ironically the the non horror you know adaptations of of Stephen King like they material the films those those three I mean even if you if you guys go on IMDb I think Shawshank Redemption's in the top like five of all time isn't it I think it's like movies of, of all time <laughs> it and it really is so, like, you know? So I mean, to me, like those movies are super effective just because of like even the Green Mile has like that that supernatural element to it with yeah. with John Coffey, but still there's just something about those three films. It's like it's like real human drama connection that you can connect to. Just like Misery is more grounded in realism, and I think that's why Misery works. Yeah. As the adaptation and as a novel because it, it is. I mean, granted, she goes like we said, she goes a little overboard in the in the novel, but. You know, in the film, I think it's more on the money. How? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah but it's I mean, more did, sense in the book because we have the inner monologue to explain yeah. and to make it more right. Right. So, yeah. But I mean, this is not a person. It's not a person who's possessed. This is not a person who's a demon or a vampire or this you know something otherworldly, an alien. This is a real life monster. Yes. Yeah. This is this, is this is this is. This is one of the few that he's actually created that that has stood the test of time as being something that is ultimately scary. I think the only other character, I think maybe Ivy would agree with me, that's on the par of of, of Annie Wilkes that he's created is Brady Hartsfield in the Bill Hodges oh trilogy. Oh my god. He would he would be, but then again, you know, not not to spoil it, eventually that becomes a little supernatural after a little while. But Annie Wilkes, I feel I like, is the one that's grounded in the most reality. No, I I think I think that the uh, the 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 Hodges um, series has definitely always been supernatural. I feel like it has. I guess it was like like the overtones that didn't really come out until yeah. probably like like the third book. But regardless, yeah. I still think that that Annie Wilkes the, the the misery story works with people and it resonates so well because it is so grounded in reality, and that that's the key <clears throat> with it. Yeah, I mean, that's what works with Stand By Me, because it's a coming of age. Um, we see how the friends drift apart, which always happens with childhood friends yes, or your teenage friends. And it's, it's sad. And, 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 and just watching the end of that movie, um, you know, what Rob Reiner added to that. I mean, you, you're heartbroken. You're distraught. You're thinking about your own childhood friends and how you drifted from them and how that you had that one summer where you were inseparable. I mean, it was just so fucking effective. 
I can't say enough about that movie, but I'd, I'd love to discuss that one at length. You know what's great about Sam? I, I, I would I would love to if you ever decide to do it. We should do that. I'm sorry. I, I said one of the best things about Stand by Me is everyone has that one summer. Yeah, yeah. that one summer that we always. Everyone has that one summer. Yeah. Absolutely. And Stephen King's really good at tapping into that. Not only is he great at we talked about the gang at writing women, he's wonderful at writing children. Yes. Yeah. He's he's still in tune with that. And, part. Particularly outcast children. Yeah. Which I think we all, I think yeah. all of us can identify. Because 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 he was because he was one. Yeah. And, and, and one, of, one of the neat things, one of the neat things about about Stand by Me, which I don't know people, I, I didn't know this till till this year actually, or yeah, this, this past year, because this is also the 35th anniversary of this year. I got to see it again on the big screen, or you know, what, a couple months ago when when they did that. But Boys in the Hood is also celebrating 30 years this year. I didn't realize that John Singleton, I mean, he rests in peace and he's awesome, yes. based Boys in the Hood on Stand By Me. Yeah. It was his version of Stand By Me because yeah. he loved Rob Reiner's film so much. It's, it speaks to everyone. Everybody has that experience in their life. And if you can tap into that, you're a fucking genius because everyone can relate. Everyone can put themselves in that situation. Everyone remembers that sort of heartbreak, but like bittersweet because it was wonderful and it was terrible at the end and and we and we're all wistful for it you know so it, it's just I, it's, if you can master that shit in a book or in a film you're you're fucking genius i really think you need to i mean you can have this out too i think you need to schedule an episode just for stand by me i think that there'll be a lot to say i think that would be another positive I'll one yeah i'm like uh, i haven't uh i haven't rebuilt season five yet so no. I'll, I'll put that in a, on one of our because I, I stand by me is one of those films. It's it's um not only is it super yeah, iconic. About it, it means right, right. Not like, not only not only is it super. Thing to me, like when he died, it fucked me up, man. But not only is the movie itself like super iconic, it's one of those rite of passage movies that like we've handed down to the different generations. Like we 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 everybody here right now, we are the reason that that, that movie is and it's called iconic status that it owns that a movie like that is celebrating 35 years this year of being such an iconic movie because we found this as children a movie we honestly all had no business watching we still watched it but and gave it the life that it has at that age but we also right this age identify with it because we remember that summer exactly look i remember that the summer that that it came out it was such a big deal when it came out and and it's still my favorite favorite of the the cute guys just just so you know my 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 biff my my best friend selena actually has a tattoo on her forearm because she loves of of him as chris chambers smoking a cigarette because she loves river phoenix that much yeah Yeah. she loves river phoenix season five so i'm on it just just so you know and i'll tell it again then when we when we her because her and i were the ones that went to go see it because she wanted to go see it that bad. I'm like, of course I'm going to go see Stand By Me. What are you, nuts? I love that fucking movie. She cries at the end every single time when he said, when he's too. like, I'll see you later. Not, not, not if I see you first. And then they, you know, they, they part their ways. She's already hysterical crying next to me in yeah. the theater. I cried thinking yep. about it. I'm like, oh, God, I remember that summer in my life. And that time that you just say goodbye to somebody, you don't know it's going to be the last time. You just think like, ah, but whatever. We sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm still thinking about it. Sorry. Ugh. Robbed my it's ear. such a great movie. I'm actually, and, and I, I don't mean, I don't mean, like, co cry about the same things. He's not here to cry with me today. 
and I don't mean to call him out, but my roommate Steve has never seen Stand By Me, so like we're we're gonna we yeah we're so we actually we I know I know I'm working on it. We we have oh the, the screen. We have a screen and projector, and I'm I'm telling them the next movie because we just watched John Carpenter's the the thing after we did the episode. We oh, watched yeah. it outside. It was it was his first time seeing it in in full. Oh, nice. Because the only some bits that he was like, wow, that was a really good movie. I'm like, you need to see Stand By Me now. Like, like there's Dave, no excuse. Start talking about recommendations. I think you know how long I've known him since I was like seven, and how long it took him to trust me in movie recommendations. I'm like, I have yet to steer you wrong. It's time to trust. It's time to trust. Yeah. I'm 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 still a little nervous sometimes. But, but, but I have I have I yes in all these years have I no comment. You <laughs> yeah. Chicken, you, you fooler. There you go. There it is. You could have used it right there. You fooler. <laughs> oh boy. You don't want me to get the sledgehammer. Don't forget, Sean, you have to take a 10-hour trip with her in a car to Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to hobble me. I got to go on top of that. <laughs> she, yeah, they're, they're coming to the Mahoning for the Jawbob event, Ivy. Oh, nice. I'm here, and we're going to do their, our Midwest people will all tripping out there. I had my surgery um, almost a month ago, so I'll be able to get around slowly, but I'm going to be there, and it's fun, and I really look to it. And we get the fuck out of here for a minute because I'm gonna get crazy. I got, I got a bad, <laughs> I got a bad feeling that her and Eric are gonna hog time me and throw me in the trunk and they just. <laughs> oh my god. Take yes. over the You're not gonna be outnumbered once you get there because Dave and I will be there. Oh, That's right. There. What are you talking? I'm gonna help. Oh. I'm gonna help them hog tie him. You're <laughs> <laughs> talking about shit. <laughs> Yo, Sean, Sean's gonna be the hood ornament like like uh Mike. F- <laughs> All about the Benjamins. They're gonna, they're gonna just dip Sean and platinum and have him on the front, like, yep. Yeah. With, with his mustache. Yes. <laughs> and you can edit this out too. Um, the campaign is over, so I don't have to talk about it anymore. But we're gonna talk about something else we're working on. Not, not tonight, but like, I, I have a meeting this weekend with somebody locally to help try to find the investors for this, because they're, they're looking to try to finance like local things to get people to come here now so fingers crossed that that helps so we won't talk about the fundraiser because it's actually over now anyway so yeah. um speaking of which uh let's do some plugs uh, uh <laughs> ivy anything to plug i'm on instagram facebook and twitter tiktok uh tumblr and if you look me up ivy rain it's just rain with two ends I see your TikTok videos all the time. I've been so slow on posting on TikTok, but I do watch other people's stuff. <laughs> I'm so terrible at keeping up with anything because I have ADHD, so I'll remember TikTok for a week, and I'll do it like four times a day for a week, and for two months, I'll forget I even have it. <laughs> yeah, that's me right now. I'm like two months yeah. anything, and I have all this new makeup shit, but we'll get to that. Uh, Dave? So nothing to plug personally, just I, I was looking at um, the first episode I did on this podcast was Dawn of the Dead, which was almost exactly a year ago. I know, right? Right? And so what, what has gotten me through this year, this year of COVID is being every Thursday night here. Thank you so much. It's gotten me through. We're starting to come around to normalcy now. I know the gym is getting ready to reopen. And I, I, can't, I just can't say enough about how this has helped me get through this shitty fucking year 
Definitely. I think he's done that for all of us. Definitely. I mean, to yeah. find some people who love horror and love film um, and intelligent, uh, um, you know, um, erudite people who can talk about stuff with me, I love it so much. So I, I just thank you so much for getting me through this. I, I don't know what I would have done without it. Me either. I mean, it's, it's mutual. I think it goes for all of us because it's all been one fucking hell of a year. I found you guys when I, was, when I needed to. Yeah, it all happens for a reason, and I'm just so glad to have you. So thank you for that. Friends that we've made have been are just beautiful people, and yeah, it's been that's so well said. I'm gonna have you next because Nico and I are longest. Okay. Um, wait. I'm I'm the longest wink. Yeah. Like I said last week, I'm a grower, not a shower. Um. So, uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Shaun of the Dead. Um, I've also come off my long hiatus of on Twitter. Which I told you not to delete. And I was, I, I was doom scrolling a lot, and I've taken a break. I've come back. You can find me on Twitter, Shaun of the Dead. Um, again, Ian, uh, shout out to you, Lindsay and Lucy. Um, you guys are great. Um, Ivy, thanks for coming. Um. And, and like Dave said, I couldn't do it without you guys. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to edit your lovely voices um, every week. Um, I absolutely enjoy it. Um, I know you guys don't get to, to always see some of the stuff I do behind the scenes, but sometimes I take your voices and I craft little beats out of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes I share them, sometimes I don't because I'm afraid, you know, maybe somebody will get offended. Um, okay, that's so, us. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There was a point throughout this one when everyone kept talking about, you know, the well, I can't even think about it, but I, I literally just started gagging. Yeah. And all I could think is that's gonna be a great beat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that if I if I remix her Love that. <laughs> but uh uh shout out to uh the guys and 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 the girl who couldn't be here tonight, Erica, um, yes. and and Robin Mack from the Action we Drunkies. Miss you. Erica, I've worked some big earrings for you because. <laughs> and uh, and last and definitely not least, shout out to you know everybody that listens. Thank you. Um, we enjoy your support, and uh, we love you. That's all I got. That's good. For you, that was long. That, wow. Wasn't it? Wow. Very well put. Wow. It's the beer. It's the beer. <laughs> <laughs> I got the coding, but yeah, that, that makes me just a little spazzy sometimes <laughs> or too tired. It depends. Uh, so I guess we'll go next. Um, I, I've tried to simplify this by making a link tree, but I still talk about everything that's on the link tree. So I'll give you the link tree. Uh, it's like Trey slash Candy the Final Girl. You will find our Twitter, which is just booming these days, um, which is uh, at House Underscore Dreams. Um, just keep an eye out because we have some just exciting things coming up, uh, some new features that we're doing. Um, wonderful shit. Um, Instagram is where I mostly am because I can do cooler shit there and I can. Um, Cross me into my other project, which ties into this. Eric and I's other project, which we'll talk about in a second. But Twitter, um, not Twitter, uh, Instagram. God damn it! No drugs. I'm pushing two drugs before the show. Okay. <laughs> Instagram, Candy Final Girl. And again, this is all on my link tree. I'm just talking. Um, 
But yeah, if you, we, I also finally did make another account on Instagram because I said I was too fucking lazy to do it. But it's Final Girl Cosmetics US. Uh, we, uh, that's for Eric and I's uh, horror-based uh, makeup company is. Um, we have had so much traffic. Uh, speaking of which, we got a package out today uh, to Georgia. <laughs> As Dave asked for you. Uh, so, you know, uh, I get, I, I sent your tracking to you. Uh, thank you again. The Scream Queen palette has officially sold out. Eric and I are nice. ecstatic. Congrats. Uh, the last one. The palette is doing amazingly well. <laughs> we just got written, uh, um, included an article uh, about makeup companies um, um, that are queer-based owners. Um, but, uh, you know, people are really excited about how colorful and, and things that um, our products are. So, I have to plug the hell out of my makeup because it's doing well and I'm really excited about it. So yeah, buy a killer palette and um, watch out for the slasher one. It's coming soon. Uh, and uh, what am I forgetting? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> friends that we've made, uh, that includes Ian, that includes Ivy, um, includes Lucy, Lindsay. It includes, uh, you know, our usual cast people who are, they're not even friends, they're family. They're missing tonight, we missed them. But this has still been a really great conversation. We have some new friends coming along um, in some pretty soon episodes, and I'm excited for them to be on the show. Um, I can't thank the fans enough. I, I actually get, I've gotten some really cool pieces of fan art, uh, one of which is the logo for my makeup company now. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, and thank you to all the listeners. Um, I just love just seeing what people are interested in and what's trending this week for our show. And I'm thinking, oh, what the fuck did I say in that one? Oh, God. I forgot. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared. Um, but, yeah, did uh, you... there's just so much going on. Um, there's some fundraisers on, on the link tree. Uh, like I said, I, I have a link tree. I could simplify it, but I have to tell you everything on it. And I'm just so excited about the makeup. Eric and I are really, really, you know, she's my partner in this now, and we are just, We've got so many exciting things coming for that, and just being able to tie it into horror. Um, and the Killer Palette does have a tribute to Andrew Deboff in it, so he he was a little tickled about that. We have a Jen <laughs> color, which is my favorite color from the Killer Palette, by the way. Great. So yeah, uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, I guess I don't have much this time. I do have a link tree now, and thanks to you, I figured out how to actually use this thing. So Yay! it's uh, it's um, linktr.ee slash the real Nico Nice. I have links to my my films, uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are on there. I have links to my Instagram, which is El Jefe Del Horror. The boss. I have links to our show, The House That Screams. I have links to the Behind the Screams, our sister podcast. I have links to our brothers that aren't here, the Action Drunkies. I have a link for My Horrific Life for Erica that's not with us tonight. Um, but yeah, um, we're actually going to be doing another um, fundraiser soon for Sticks and Stones, so stay tuned for that. I'll keep everybody updated on that. And I think and we're going to be doing something we'll be soon, doing right? A live, a live thing for it. Sort of a yeah, we'll be doing a live, like, yeah, like, like telethon and help raise more money for it, because um, Candy is one of the associate right. producers. Yeah, I, I feel film, like that's so. why I need to get to work. So... Which, you know, I guess the script is good if Candy is agreeing to do the movie, not just because she's family, but, you know, if it sucks, she wouldn't have done it. So that, that, that alone, person. that alone. I'm a very honest person. You can say that. She about. is. So <laughs> if, if if the script sucks, she wouldn't have not jumped on this and been like, yeah, I'll hop out. 
she'd been like, cool. I'll just share links. It's cool guys. Like whatever. So, um, but yeah, thank you again for, uh, for helping with that too. Um, I think that's pretty much all I got. I don't think there's any, I guess, I guess, um, I guess I'm going to monster mania now, by the way, in August, because I, I got talked into it. I, I, I wasn't gonna go, but I think I have to skip the the Keith Coogan event now for this. So whatever. I'm such a dummy today. He goes, MM's gonna kill me, and I'm like, Marshall Mathers. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they they announced a, a shit ton of. Oh, which I, I guess I can talk about the, the the guest list real quick. Um, Amy Steele's gonna be there, who's one of my favorite. She's my my favorite yes. final girl. She's, she's, a, she's a good final girl. She's my favorite. She is. Favorite. And and John Fury, who played Paul, who we still have no idea where the fuck Paul's at, right in the woods somewhere. Um, he's <laughs> going to be there. Um, Sean Cunningham is going to be there. CJ Graham is going to be there. Kane Hodder. Oh, they're, doing yeah. a, they're doing a Three from Hell reunion with Bill Mosley, uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips, and Richard Brake, who I like Richard Brake a lot. I think he's a great just character actor. Yeah, we were talking about him with Mandy, yeah. Yeah, I think I just think he's he's fucking fantastic. Um, who else is gonna be there? Um, Daniel Harris, Danny Trejo. They just announced they're doing a, a full Child's Play reunion with Brad Dourif, his daughter Fiona, um, Alex Vincent, and uh, Christine McCarthy that played um Kyle in Child's Play two and now in the the further sequels. Um, then the other one you're gonna you know. Get get your tits in the tangle over this. They're doing a Cobra Kai reunion with fucking William Zabka and Martin. Oh Cove. my god! I'm sorry. <laughs> and wow. there's there's gonna there's gonna there's gonna be a photo op with the two of them together for, oh my god. to do photos with. I'm so jealous. And I think I'm, I'm trying to think of who else I had to meet. <laughs> this, oh, Michael Berryman's gonna be there. PJ Souls. Like there's oh, a god. lot of like people that they announced for this. Um, and then they announced um your your guy Joe Bob for the big Oak show in October. At their new location that they're doing, <laughs> along with um, ironically, and it's a week after Halloween Kills, along with Nick Castle so far, and um, James Jude Courtney, uh, you know the, the new Michael Myers, who is yeah. absolutely saving the franchise as Michael Myers you now. Definitely. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. That that's really impressive. <laughs> I can't believe I'm gonna see Joe Bob in a couple weeks, and you guys. I'm just like, it's too much. It's all too much. Like everything. And, awesome. and Darcy, don't don't forget, I'm forget so about excited. Darcy. Darcy, trust me, I just got a new Darcy shirt. <laughs> I don't have it yet. It's going to be here like tomorrow, but I just ordered it. Oh, I got the one from, from Fright Rags. Yes, yeah, so I got, yes, I, I got it. Oh, so you and I will be, you and I will, will, be, twinning will be twinning for that. Yeah. There you go. And I got no virus shirt that's like a tank top to like wear when it's hot during the day. <laughs> it's going to be very hot. I mean, yeah. Erica Teller, how hot does it get here at that time? Uh, Ivy, I'm sorry. How hot does it get here? Oh my God, it's ridiculous. This is Pennsylvania, but Jesus Christ. The humidity where we are in Indiana is so goddamn bad. It's like the yeah. South. It's so bad. So Dave knows what I'm talking about. Like it's not only hot, but you're like dripping wet. Well, she's she's been there. Yeah. Well. She's been to Indy. Yeah. With him when we went. Uh, yeah, Harry and I, we we went for work, so we know that. That's why, like we. But we remember we weren't there in the summer. We were there in the winter. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, in the summer. So we we, we didn't get to experience an indie summer. 
Yeah, it's you know, it's not that great. Um, it, when it's <laughs> nice out in the evening and you can go sit out back and just chill by the fucking pond and smell everybody out there smoking pot, it's just like great. But during the day, you literally are dripping. Yeah. And especially like and when it gets to July and August, I mean, you are just dripping. Like my, I have to shellac my makeup. Like shellac. Well, I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling you now to bring something because of the Mahoning, and during the day, it's going to be like extremely hot. Uh, well, I'm like weird in the so. science of the vampire, so I got SPF 100. I got oh, I'm like fucking prepared. I'm, I'm gonna wear my birthday suit, so. Oh, yes. even better! I was, I was hoping that that's that's the that's the news of the night. That that's it. There you go. Right there, he's gonna wear not, not, nothing but his but his birthday suit, a backwards hat, and his mustache is coming back. So there, there oh, you go. I want this. Right. Yeah, we need the mustache. Yeah. That's all it takes. I mean, if if yeah. they they give you a hard time about maybe putting clothes on, you can just wear a thong backwards, Sean. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> just a thong backwards. <laughs> Yeah, Darcy probably would love it. Jim Bob would probably be like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe Bob would say, don't check that out. But yeah. Security. <laughs> Zero stars. I, I feel like I got four star boots. I know he's a boot man, so. <laughs> well, clearly, I mean, you know. <coughs> the, the, the male girl. <laughs> exactly. Male girls have always. She's, 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 she's got some hogs. Yep. He's like me. He loves the hogs. He's got a nice pair. I, I like her boobs. I like my boobs. Yeah, I like boobs in general. I just I, I, I do too. I'm a I'm a I'm a hog man. I I, I like the hog. <laughs> I can't help it, man. Hog oh, man. Yeah, I'm an ass. I'm an ass, I'm an ass, ass guy. Oh, okay. I'm an ass guy too. I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, Sean, I'm with you, Sean. I'm with you. Thank you. Oh, oh my. It's all about boobs. I love boobs. Listen, I don't I don't mind I don't mind butt, but. <laughs> I, I need I, I need the hogs. Can't have, I need them. Now there's a good old fashioned man for you. We need some more breast men. Love them. I'm checking out. Um, I like any girl who pepper spray me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I know just the one. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that. I, mean. <laughs> I didn't say that. I mean. No 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 no. Did you? I, I, I threw shade at somebody that me and Ivy know, and I don't think she picked up on it. When you yeah, said I, I like a girl that doesn't that doesn't use pepper spray, I'm like, oh, I know just the person. Oh. oh <laughs> From the other. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. T. Okay. T. T for later. Candy. T for later. <laughs> T. Podcast on that one because that is yeah. wild. Yeah. Wild. Dude, just this girl's fucking batshit crazy. Like I'm intrigued. Right, but you just don't have an area that you like to come into. Anyway, I'm going to go to bed. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He's listening to all this tea talk. Like, what? He's a fucking trooper. Our upcoming episode, um, we are doing two next week. So we've got a surprise that I actually won't talk about. Um, but then um, our next actual horror film will be Salem's Lot, talking about the Toby Hooper directed. 1978 version. And I can't fucking wait. I know you can't. So, but you have to. It's next Thursday. <laughs> well, I'm in. I try to be funny. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just randomly talking. I'm funny. But like, yeah. I, I should never try.
Drop a random dick pic. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> tell me, tell me something new. Twerk it, twerk it like it's hot. I do want to say thank you to guys, you guys, because uh, the last time I was on the podcast was when I used my chosen name, and uh, it had actually been almost 20 years since I used that name, and uh, I feel like it helped me realize that it's really definitely my real name. That's good. I'm yeah. You know, it's, it's always good when we have those moments. So yeah. Yeah. Helped, and I know you're coming back for um, Killer Clowns. Yes. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to shit all over <laughs> I'm not going to shit all over I can't <laughs> wait. I love I can't wait for that one. I, I, I legitimately love that movie. I'm just throwing that out there now, guys. I really love that movie. I do, I too. I can't wait. It's a big staple from my childhood. Yep. I will explain all the reasons why I hate it, just because we need some counterbalance there. I'm going to be there. Because, because you have to be the one. Gonna I'm going to be, be right there with you, because, oh, my God. Yeah, I have a story as to why I hate it so much, but we'll talk about that then. So we'll see you back, and hopefully we'll see I, I know you're coming back for some other episodes, Ian, and um, I, we've got Lindsay Lucy. Uh, Sophie, who's on your show a lot, um, has been promoting our makeup, and uh, she's going to be coming on for some episodes, so I'm pretty excited about that, too. That's she's awesome. a sweetheart. That's awesome. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to you guys as well. This is now my fifth time coming on this yeah, show, I yeah. think. I've been here a few times, and I know, D- Dave, you came on to speak about Night of the Living Dead, Candy and Sean, and, and Rob's been on as well. Um, and, you know, Rob was on doing Child's Play too, which kind of got brought up a little bit earlier so thank you so much you know it's really really great to speak to other people as well who's just as passionate about horror movies and and all that things and hearing new perspectives and new opinions and candy and, and nico you know I'm, I'm really excited for for your projects coming up and if there's anything that we could and if there's anything that we can do um please please just just drop me a message and you know we will we will do what we we will we will do what we can as well appreciate that man truly appreciate Definitely. that thank you um, yeah, we, we shout you guys out every episode, so it's it's nice that we have this friendship and we can, you know, our fans can listen to both of us because a lot of people I know listen to both of our shows and it's really fucking cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. I love to hear it. Well, I love you guys. Um, Ian, you get some sleep. I'm gonna try that. He's gonna go to bed. Uh, Dave's gonna go to bed. Everybody else have a nice evening. You too. Good night, guys. Love you. Have a great night. Good night. Good night. Love you all. Good night. Love you.